The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of the songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. Excited to introduce our guest today. Before I do, let me remind you, if you're listening on uh, YouTube, like and subscribe. And once again, thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast and telling your friends about it. It's growing, and uh, we certainly appreciate not only your input, but the fact that you're that you're helping us spread the word. Um, our guest today, I want to tell you, I first met him, I was at... Um, Back in November, for the first time, I went to the Frank Brown Songwriter Festival in Gulf, uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama, and I had been hearing about this festival for a long, long time, and I'd always wanted to visit there, see uh, Floribama, which is a legendary uh, venue down there, and uh, as an extra bonus, I saw there was going to be this workshop from Now Hear This, which we're going to talk about. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a PR company and a, and a whole lot more. Uh, and that Bruce Wozniak was going to be there of Now Hear This putting on this seminar. I had just decided that I was going to start uh, putting out songs of my own. You know, I recorded an EP last summer and I decided I was going to put out my first single. And I thought, well, I need to attend this because I'm sure he's got valuable information. And I'll tell you what, I took about a gazillion pages of notes, went through 13 pens, and I brought home all kinds of ideas from this guy. It's Bruce Worsniak. Bruce, thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm great, Dave. You put a big smile on my face by saying all that about the value that you found in my workshop. So thank you. That was just fantastic. It really was. Um, you, and you do a lot of these, don't you? I do. I try. And it's just kind of a passion that I have because I think I see the struggle that artists, that songwriters have. Uh. And I also see the good, the bad, and the ugly and <laughs> want to kind of help people like myself who are trying to help people like that. And, you know, people who are on the receiving end and, and really in, in, the, in the middle of it all is that, that songwriter or that artist. Mm-hmm. Who does need the help? So it's really something that I do from the heart. I can tell that. I can tell that just attending the seminar. And folks, you would love it if you, if Bruce is anywhere near you. You've got to go. Uh, Bruce, tell us a little about now. Hear this and in how it formed and in what it's all about and what you do. Well, I'll try to give you the short version. Yeah. It formed in 2004, and it was born out of a job that I was in where. They needed a national anthem singer. And every Sunday in church, I'd get to hear this girl who had a great voice, and I didn't know she did anything outside of church. And I finally approached her one week and asked her, and, yeah, you know, I do a little bit here and there. And I told her why I was asking. And so she agreed to do it. And I just told her, you know, what a great gift she had and that more people needed to hear her and that I had this entire background in, when I say communications, I'm talking about media relations, public relations, marketing, the web. I had been doing it in pro sports and in the Olympic movement for a number of years and thought I'd love to help this girl out out of the goodness of my heart. Well, she got intimidated. No, my dad helped me. One of those kind of things. (laughs) And eventually the dad is like, 
if this guy is offering to help and he's not asking for money, why aren't you saying yes? So I started helping her out, started getting some results. And along the way, they were impressed with how much they were seeing that I was able to bring to the table. And I took a step back and said, gosh, I can make a business out of this. So I launched Now Hear This. And initially, that was really kind of my focus was just entertainers, meaning musicians, songwriters. My sweet spot really was singer-songwriters, preferably someone who played an instrument, usually the guitar. And over the years, it really started to grow to the point where not only was I getting clients across the country, but eventually it became, okay, it doesn't just have to be people in the music business. It can be, and over the years, I've, I've helped authors, I've helped filmmakers, actors. Uh, I had an Olympic athlete at one point, small business owners, entrepreneurs and and podcasters too. So it's, uh, it's, it's a long time going. And honestly, Dave, I think I get as much enjoyment out of it now as I did. Gosh, it makes me sound and feel old 19 years ago when I started it all. And you're by no means old, but, but just experienced. That's all. Um, and you talk about podcast, uh, and you have a very uh, entertaining and a, a great podcast of your own that you've been hosting for, for, for years now, right? Uh, now hear this entertainment. It's a good show. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I had started that in February of 2014 because I thought back then, well, this will be a good marketing tool for my business. Maybe some person will be listening in insert city here. Uh, San Antonio, Texas, and he or she will say, well, this Bruce guy seems to know his stuff. I wonder if he can manage and promote me from across the miles. Uh-huh. And so that was the focus initially. And what I really wanted to do, Dave, was a couple things. I thought, you know, helping the people that I help, I wish somebody would give them an opportunity for a yeah. long-form interview instead of the predictable five to seven minutes with the questions that everyone's asking. Yeah. And I really looked at it from a PR standpoint. But I thought there's a lot of great people out there doing some really good things with music that are not A-listers that deserve this type of exposure. And oh, by the way, it also provides an opportunity to get the questions answered that I want answered. So I can also kind of know and I can also sense what the audience wants to hear. They want to know this person that Bruce is interviewing, how are they getting all these film and TV placements? This guest that Bruce has on this week How are they getting booked at such good venues? This next person that he's talking to, how did they get their latest recording project entirely crowdfunded through whichever platform they use? Mm. So I tend to ask those questions a lot and I do it kind of from the, you know, give me the mouse click, give me the nuts and bolts because initially the guest thinks, oh yeah, he's just kind of acknowledging that I did that. So I'll just gloss over it with a, I was real blessed. That was a highlight for me kind of answer. Mm. And then I have to dig in further and say, no, tell us, why did you choose Kickstarter? Had you ever used them before? Did you look at any of the others? You know, or how did you get the film and TV placement? Do you know the music supervisor? Do you have a service that you use? Is there someone helping you? And then the light bulb goes on and then they give us the nuts and bolts. So uh, now here, this entertainment is hitting its nine year anniversary on wow. time every week for nine years. That's uh, well over 400 episodes. Wow. And uh, again, you know, something that, I just really enjoy, I think a lot of people tend to say, well, gosh, are you getting to the point where you're burned out? And I think no, because I meet somebody new on every episode and these turn into contacts for me. You know, I've interviewed people all over the country. And so the clients that I'm serving, when all of a sudden they have a need, 
that mental Rolodex of mine starts flipping and I go to, oh, this person who I talked to that's based in L.A. that can be a help to you. Let me connect the two of you. And all of a sudden there's value for my clients from me hosting that podcast. That's fantastic. And, and you said the magic word connect. Uh, connection and, and I, I, it's the Dave connection. I, my my radio shows Nashville connection. Uh, the podcast, of course, is songwriter connection because these connections are so important. And I think that's a lot of what a PR person does is make these contacts, these connections for you, isn't it? Yeah, they're very valuable, and I'm glad you said that because I think, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I think when someone hires someone like me they don't really think of those types of results. They're looking for something that they can put their hands on or or a metric that they can point to. Mm -hmm. And especially when it's the young people, when it's the newbies, the up and comers who are just starting into their career, they are jumping so far ahead in the line when they come alongside someone like me. And I have all of these relationships that I've built in Nashville, in Los Angeles, in other markets where I can kind of get them ahead in the line faster than if they just kind of, and, and you, you know it yourself from mm-hmm. living in Nashville, you know, you don't just show up there and start cold calling because you're not going to yeah. get anywhere other than sitting down at McDonald's saying, this is frustrating. Why did I come here? Yeah. 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 It, it, it you know, it takes a lot. It, it, it takes, we talk about, you know, it's not who you know, uh, but who knows you and who's willing to say they know you and uh, publicists can definitely, definitely help artists get, get out there, get that music, not only played, but um, you, you know, like um, I've done uh, podcasts about my new song. I've done uh, magazine uh, articles, um, interviews, uh, radio interviews and things. And these are things that publicists can help you can really help you get your name out there. And that's, what's really important. Uh, people discovering you. You had so much, uh, and we have, I want to tell you, we're, we're on the phone. Uh, Bruce, you live in, in Tampa, Florida. Hey, by the way, have you forgiven me for being a, a Cleveland Guardians fan? <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, you know, spring training is just around the corner. Oh, yeah. We get to wipe the slate clean and yes, we do. start all over again. And, and, yeah. and I can root just as hard for the Rays, and you can root <laughs> just as hard for Cleveland. And in the end, as long as Tampa Bay comes out with more wins and a longer season than you, then yes, I'll Then we can be friends. There we go. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad you're a big baseball fan. And my next song coming out in April is called Louisville Slugger. It's a baseball song. So just a quick plug there. But anyway, um, I wanted to, you, you made a lot of trips to Nashville. So you've helped a lot of uh, artists here in Nashville. Um, is there anything in particular uh, that you've learned about this market here and marketing to? And, you know, so many people think that Nashville is just a country music town, but it's a music town. It, it's regardless of format, right? So you've worked with artists here in Nashville. And tell us about some of those experiences. Yeah, I've been fortunate to work with people from around the country, really. I've had yeah, clients in Los Angeles, Hollywood, and Las Vegas, and yeah, Nashville I go to a lot. Uh, Los Angeles I go to a lot. There's a lot of traveling that I do for a lot of reasons, and I know we're going to be talking about that later mm-hmm. on. But Nashville specifically, you know, I, I do know and, and I have learned, and so I practice what I preach, uh, you know, that, that you really got to be seen there. When I go to Nashville, it is anything but sightseeing. And mm. it always amazes me when I come back from any of my Nashville trips that people will say, where did you go? What did you see? And I look at them like, oh, you're actually serious about that. <laughs> you know, because I'll just go there and meet Dave with absolutely as many people as I can. Really? Uh, because it is about nurturing those relationships. It's about being seen. It's about getting out and meeting new people. And, and you know, I love going to writer's rounds, even if I don't know anyone who's, who's playing in it. Um, you know, there's, there's a lesson for your audience 
that comes from one of the writers' rounds that I attended one time in Nashville. Yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty humble guy. I'm, I'm, I'm very down to earth. I'm, I'm not some, you know, hotshot three-piece suit, slick back hair kind of guy that's, you know, all yucky and salesy. Mm-hmm. So I, I settled in one night. I won't say where, but let's just say at a venue in Nashville that, that had a writer's round. Yep. Uh, and, and I still won't give it away when I say that, um, thankfully, it's one that has a listening room type atmosphere in it. Okay. And I watched this round go by. And of course, you know, that, that's just the best environment for a writer's round when you can hear a pin drop in there. Agreed. And that's the way it was. And the round finished and the however many it was, four writers, let's say, came off stage. And the next round getting up and one of those writers came off stage and I won't even say if it was a male or a female, but, but this writer who came off stage that I kept an eye on went to the back of the room and sat down at the table with all the people that you could tell were there to see that particular person. And Dave proceeded to do nothing but talk mm. and talk and talk and talk as this next round started and everybody else in the place was quiet as the proverbial church mouth. And I think this person just exhausted themselves from having been singing on stage and now having done nothing but talk back at the table that they came to. And so as they started to make their way out, they came right by my table. I put my arm out to stop them and say hello. And they were excited that someone was stopping them. Mm -hmm. And of course I was kind at first. And then I downshifted into, I watched your round The place was dead silent. You came off stage, you went to the back of the room and you proceeded to do nothing but talk through the entire round. You should give the same respect to the round that's up there that everyone just gave to you. You don't know who I am. I'm not anybody, but in this town, people in the music business are watching and that is not a good look. It's not. And I'll tell you what, this person was not happy that I said it, but I hope that they were not happy with themselves and not unhappy with me for pointing it out. Yeah. I hear you, uh, you know, and, and I host a, a writer's round here in town and I just had that happen last night and I wanted to mm. go up to that artist and say, Hey, come on, these people, they watched you, you know, they watched you perform. Do they have the same courtesy? That's professionalism, Bruce. It really is. Yeah. You know, yeah. If nothing else, just go outside. If, if you're that inclined yeah. to talk so much, obviously if you have the time, it's a courtesy, a professional courtesy to stick around and, Mm-hmm. And watch the next round. If you know, hopefully you were there watching at least the round before yours. But if it's really that important that mm-hmm. you got to talk with someone, maybe someone came to town just to see you, and they're leaving in the morning. Yeah. So go outside and talk to them. But to sit there and do it right in the same room exactly. where another round is trying to play, and, and where yours just took place, is, is really not a good look. You know that they always say that that Nashville is a big small town, mm-hmm. and word will get around quickly. You know it from li- living there. Word oh, will yeah. get around quickly about people like that you know word travels fast for for bad reasons as, as much as it does for good reasons yeah come there with that in mind when you do a, a, a writer's round have that in mind be be professional uh you're being judged on and off the stage you really are and uh you know and i know for a lot of folks it's a time to network and get to new know new people but that's not the right really not the right place well not the right time okay <laughs> you know find other ways get con- make the contacts and, and, and talk uh, not while other people are playing it's a good point yeah, and you know that's that's part of my job you know with with my clients is making sure that that that's not happening because i am largely responsible for their image 
Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it sometimes is an education if, if they are new to the business and, and they don't understand that side of it yet. And I'm not saying it's excusable, but okay, let's, let's learn it and then let's never have it happen again yes, because I am looking out for you and I, I am here in your best interest. Mm-hmm. And so I need to make sure that you realize that if you need to talk, you need to take it outside. I remember even here in Tampa one time going to see someone perform and being several rows back, yet being so distracted by two people in the first row who just kept talking to each other through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then they proceeded to get up and be the next act on stage. And I thought, wow, I already have a bad opinion of you. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even heard the first note of your first song. <laughs> and would you be doing that if you were in a movie theater? <laughs> you know? Yeah, good point. Think about it, you know. So let's say um, you're a new, I love working with independent artists and uh, young and upcoming singer-songwriters. And, I, and, and, and when I find a good one, some of that I really admire in this town and in other places, I try to invite them on the podcast just to, to give them a little bit more publicity. But what do you tell folks that are new um, songwriters and artists? Uh, Bruce, what kind of advice do you, do you give them? Where would you start? Well, I want to focus on just the songwriters mm-hmm. because there's something that I noticed that I hope I can make a small dent in in terms of reversing the trend, which is that I do notice a lot of songwriters will, and it it really amazes me, Dave, in this day and age of how popular social media is. Mm -hmm. It really amazes me. This is something that I see. I will look at the lineup of participants who are going to be at a songwriters festival Mm -hmm. and the mistake. So many songwriters, again, I want to put the emphasis here. I'm talking about songwriters is not promoting themselves. So I look for these folks online and they have little to no web presence, meaning a lot of them don't even have a website and or I see a lot of outdated websites and or outdated social media accounts where the latest posts or quote unquote updates were a couple years ago. And I get it. They think they are just a songwriter and mm. don't need to have a real dynamic presence like an artist. But yes, they do. And that 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 alone is a, is a classic example. You're going to be at a songwriters festival, the attendees, and that's not only the patrons, but that's the other songwriters. They want to know who you are right. and not just by the little blurb in the program or on the event website. They want to be able to look you up somewhere. And as you do network around Nashville and you start to hear names and you go to look up who is this writer, if he or she has little to no web presence, you're going to go, uh, I don't, I don't know what, what to think about this person. Uh, are they bad at marketing themselves? Do they just, are they not doing anything? Because what could happen is you could miss out on opportunities. Oh yeah. And if somebody looks at a website and it says their new album just released in early 2019, it's called such and such. You're going to go, wait a second. <laughs> That's four they, years ago. Yeah. What are they doing now? And, And in fact, that they could be doing so much now that they don't have the time to do it. Maybe that's why they hire someone like me. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact of the matter is that could be, and and I see it in the seat that I sit in, the work that I do, that's how fast I can say, oh, well, and I'm on to somebody else. On to the next. And if you're going, no, wait, wait, Bruce, don't, don't, don't skip over me. I'm just not posting anything. No, it's already too late. I already moved on to the next person. So if you're, waiting for a publisher, if you're waiting for a record label, if you're waiting for any kind of collaboration, it could be someone that did look you up and they thought that you don't do it anymore. Or they thought, mm-hmm. ah, this, 
I don't know, is this person just doing it as a hobby? So I, I can't stress enough the importance of songwriters promoting themselves. And again, it doesn't have to be something that's comparable to an A-lister. You don't have to rival Carrie Underwood's website. Mm-hmm. But you know, to, to just say, I have my personal Facebook page is not good enough in 2023. So you've got to have a website. Got Absolutely. To. And let me tell you why, Dave. As crazy as it sounds, as crazy as it sounds, your audience is going to say, okay, this Bruce guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Think of some of the platforms that have gone under. There was not that long ago, there was a platform that was so popular called Blab. Yeah. And one morning people woke up and Blab had something up on their homepage that said, you know what? It's been fun. It was a nice ride, but we're shutting, we're shutting it down. Mm. Now to give you a bigger, more reputable example, Facebook got to a point where Facebook said, we're getting in the podcast game and we're going to start letting podcasters put their podcasts up on their Facebook page mm. on their business page. Wow. And after a year, Facebook said, we're not doing that anymore. So the more that you count on other people's on third party platforms and you're going, Bruce, come on, Facebook's never going to go away. YouTube's never going to go away. Twitter's never going to go away. Instagram's never going to go away. TikTok is doing so well. I'm just telling you, you've got to have a place that you control 100% and that's going to be your website. Very cool. Uh, I'm still in my space. No, I'm not. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm scared, but that is important. It really is. Um, and you know what? You can. The thing is, I've, and I've been researching this uh, because I'm, I'm in the process of putting my uh, web page together, and it's it's a little difficult for me because not only as an artist, but as a broadcaster and a podcaster, so I want to incorporate it all. Um, you can spend a lot of money uh, putting a web uh, page together, um, but there are other ways. There's Squarespace, right? Um, exactly. There's Wix, and you can do this yourself, can't you? Yeah, you can. And of course, at the end of the day, everybody's in this because they realize it's a business. Mm-hmm. They want to sell music. They want to sell merchandise. They want to sell courses. They want to sell coaching, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And if you think of some of the third party sites that are out there, well, guess what? They're going to take a percentage of whatever it is of yours that you're selling on there. If you're selling it through your website, you're going to get a hundred percent of whatever you're selling. Yeah. So I don't want people to just think that it's, Oh, he wants me to put all my content on my own website. Sure. Yes. The pictures, the music, the about your upcoming shows, where you have played in the past, all that's great. But if you're trying to sell music, if you're trying to sell eBooks or physical books or t-shirts or coffee mugs or coaching sessions or whatever it is, mm-hmm. put it on your own website. If you want to share royalties with somebody else, somewhere, well, fine, you know, people might find you on teachable.com or on Etsy before they find you on your own website, but you really want to have your own website for so many reasons because you're in full control of everything that goes on there and you get a hundred percent of the sale. Mm. That's, it's just, it's just, it's good business sense. It really is. So what are some other things that you think are so important today for the uh, songwriter coming up? Well, you know, I did just mention something in there that I'd like to go back to because I said it so quickly, but you know, when I'm looking at who people are, I'm talking about their bio. Mm -hmm. It's so important to keep that up to date, but somewhere along the way, you really want to be keeping track of where you've played. And I'm talking about everything from how many different states you've played in to notable venues that you've played in 
One time I got clever and I surprised one of my podcast guests and I told her how many shows that she's played and she had no idea. And she said, where did you get that from? Wow. And I said, from, from Reverb Nation. It, it has your past shows on there. Wow. She said, I had no idea. But, you know, that's kind of a fun stat to be able to throw around. If you're someone that's done, you know, 16 live performances in your life, okay, well, I mean, you're young and you're just getting started. And, okay, you know, let, let's, let's hope that you get 100 more and it's 116. But for the person that's done 916, you know, that's, that's a nice selling point to be able to tell people, I've done over 900 shows. I know songwriters in Nashville that can tell me how many thousands of songs they've written. Mm-hmm. That will get someone's attention. You've got to be doing something right. I don't think you can write over 4,000 bad songs, right? There's going to be some good ones in there yeah. eventually. So certainly if you've been on The Voice, if you've been on American Idol, if you've been on America's Got Talent, The X Factor, you know, if you have played at the House of Blues, if you played at Hard Rock, certainly in Nashville, Bluebird. people are going to look for, yeah. Are, yeah, have you played at the Bluebird or some of the real notable venues for, for writers around, you know? Right. Have you played mm-hmm. at the Commodore? Uh, you know, have you played at the listening, listening room? room. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is I'm looking at that as a podcaster. Uh, if someone approaches me and says, you know, I'd like to hire you to, to manage and promote me, I'm looking at, well, let me see what this person has done. And, you know, everybody wants to spend so much time talking about Spotify these days. And we won't get into the whole argument about is Spotify good or bad. Mm-hmm. But if you're putting up some nice numbers on Spotify, like make sure you include that. Yeah. Because again, you know, you're not getting the payout from Spotify that you wish you were getting. Mm-hmm. But if you can say that you've got a combined total of a quarter of a million streams between just your top five songs on Spotify alone, guess what? That's going to get people's attention. That's big. And that's what everybody's in this business for is to say, what other opportunities are, are out there for me and how do I get them? Well, one of them is really painting a good picture of what you've done that someone can say, okay, I can get behind this. And by the way, Dave, mm-hmm. like folks, let, let's please be honest ab- about what, what you have and haven't done. Mm-hmm. You know, say I shared the stage with Kenny Chesney. Uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't like when I say this, but when I read you shared the stage with Kenny Chesney, I'm picturing you out there singing a duet with him or you and he are shoulder to shoulder and you're both tearing it up on guitar. (laughs) If what you really meant is, well, Kenny was the headliner at nine o'clock, but I came on in the four o'clock slot and then someone else came on at five and someone else came on at six and someone else. You didn't share the stage with Kenny Chesney. There's nothing wrong with saying that you were on the same bill with Kenny Chesney or I had an opener slot on four Kenny Chesney shows. You know, people are going to get that. Um, you know, but when, when they're out there saying shared the stage with, it's a little misleading. And, and, and if people don't like what I'm saying right now, let me tell you what's going to happen to you when you do that. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to say to you, tell me about one of your shows with Kenny Chesney. And they're going to go, Oh yeah, that was great. Oh my gosh. So much fun. I had such a great time. I, Oh, I would love to do that again. Well, tell me about it. T- tell me about, you know, about you and Kenny and, and the show. Yeah, so that was on his such and such tour, and wow, that, I guess that was a long time ago. But um, yeah, I'm just really thankful. And and you're not hearing this person talk about what they did with Kenny Chesney. And then when the rubber really meets the road, you come to find out. Well, I was an opener at four o'clock, and then Kenny <laughs> was the headliner at nine. You know, or I've actually had people tell me, 
Well, what I did was I sang the national anthem for this event that these two A-listers were performing at. So, yeah. And I go, okay, this is actually embarrassing for you. So in the future, you might want to learn from this little conversation that we just had that I wasn't trying to trap you in. I was led to believe that you opened or you shared the stage in, in, a, in a duet capacity. And, and I want to explain, this really happens. So there was a guest on my show who legitimately, legitimately shared the stage uh, in the sense that it was a contest and this was being done in every city, right? Uh-huh. So if you win a contest and you get to go out there on stage with the headliner and perform a song together, you absolutely should tell people that you shared the stage because you yeah. did a duet. Yeah. And, you know, to, to, to do it the way that I was describing, and I, and I apologize, and I'm spending a lot of time on this, but mm, it really is a sticking point. And here's what it really leads to, okay? It's then going to call into question, well, what else is this person telling me that maybe isn't the full truth? You're shooting your credibility sudden, right down the tubes is what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, the guest that I'm referred to, I mean, she not only told me the story, it was Keith Urban, by the way, that that she sang, but, you know, has the picture of her and Keith Urban on stage singing together. So that's where you go. Cool. This is great. I love it. And and I hope that gets you more cool opportunities. Um, So, again, I apologize for spending so much time on this, but I see it happen a lot, a lot out there. You know, in you know, in so many like I've been applying to play at a lot more. I love playing uh, festivals, songwriter festivals. I did the Gatlinburg Festival last year. I've applied to a few more, and a lot of the times they're asking, you know, the same thing: "Where's your website? Uh, wh- where have you played? Uh, what's the biggest audience you've played for? Who have you opened for? You know, that kind of thing." And you have you have to be on. It's easy to find out when you're lying, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And if you are, well, and here's the thing that happens: you know, people look at that and they go. And, and this is something that I work so hard with my clients on, which is the more that we can show people that you are busy, mm-hmm. they're going to say, hmm, she must be doing something right. Look at all the work that she gets. So that quote unquote work might be appearing on TV shows. And I'm talking about, you know, a sit down interview on a morning magazine show, or it might be look at all the shows that this yeah. person's playing or it might be, yeah. you know, so, so all that stuff adds up and someone's going to say, well, she must be doing something right. Mm-hmm. And then the next sentence is, I'd like to know more. You know, I want to exactly. do business with someone like that. That's getting these many opportunities. Right. Exactly. And even, you know, even uh, on a smaller scale than that, uh, like I, I host writers rounds here in Nashville. So I get a lot of people that will say, Hey, I'd love to play your writers round. And I always say, well, uh, where can I hear your music? And it's really frustrating when they don't have a uh, social uh, or a web page or a place I can go to hear what they're all about. And, um, you know, so even something as small as that. And the other, so you're telling your story there. And I, I flashed back uh, a few years back when I was living in Cincinnati. Um, the, the big Brad Paisley show came to Riverbend. There it was the big amphitheater down on the on the river and the bluebird was, was hosting an event and they contacted NSAI, which I was a member and they offered, uh, they were having a bluebird tent where they had some hit writers coming into the tent prior to the Brad Paisley show. So I applied mm-hmm. and I got in. Uh, and so I played in this little tent about, like you said, about four o'clock in the afternoon before the show. Right. <laughs> uh, so there's two things. I could not have said, but some people might have went, yeah, I opened up for, for Brad Paisley at the river. 
Riverbend in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, and I played at the Bluebird. Not really. Not really. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. so I can see how easily, you know, you could jump ahead. Um, But anyway, don't do that. Hey, let's take a little break. I want to talk about some of your success stories right after this short break uh, for our sponsors, okay? You're listening to the Songwriter Connection, connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. Back with Bruce Worsniak. He's our guest from Now Hear This. And we're talking about how to be successful as a songwriter, as an independent artist. And you've worked with a lot of these from all over the country, Bruce. You've got so much great advice. I hope folks are taking notes. If not, you can back this podcast. That's what I love about podcasts. You can back it up, listen, <laughs> hear it again and again. And maybe some of this stuff will start sinking in. So tell us about some of your success stories, people you've worked with that you brought along. Yeah, there's one story that I think why this jumps out to me in terms of a, a classic textbook success story is just kind of the persistence. I, I have something in my business that I call my four P's approach, which is patience, polite, professional, but persistent. I remember that. And there's a recording studio that I've done some business with here in the Tampa Bay area. And the owner of the studio has complimented me by saying, I love that you're not afraid to put your clients in uncomfortable positions. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. nothing extreme. It's just, okay, you do have to kind of get outside your comfort zone because if you just stay in that little bubble and you say, okay, everything is fine here. Well, you're not really going to grow in your career. So there was a client that I was bringing along that the more and more she started to do and the better and better gigs that we were starting to get, I told her, you know, I, I, I want to get you big time. Like we, we need to get you in a real high profile situation. And she said, like what? We'd, we'd gone to Nashville already. And I said, well, let's see if we can get a gig in Las Vegas, entertainment capital of the world. And she mm. went, Oh, and I mm-hmm. said, Just calm down, calm down. Let, let me work on it first and see what I can do. And lo and behold, I ended up getting her book to perform at the House of Blues inside Mandalay Bay oh, wow. on the Las Vegas Strip. That's and big time. big time. She was nervous, rightfully so. She was nervous. But, you know, that's, that's a crowning achievement for her, for me. And it pushes her outside her comfort zone a little bit. And again, now it becomes one of those selling points that you start to hang your hat on. And they mm-hmm. say, where have you played? Have you played in Nashville? Yes, I have. And they'll ask you, what are some of the places you played in Nashville? Well, where else have you played? So now you have to say outside of Nashville, where else you played. And certainly, you know, you mentioned the Ohio's, right, or the Tampa's. You know, people will listen to that. But when you can tell them that you've played in Las Vegas and on the strip, mind you, never mind in House of Blues. Well, now you've got their attention and they're going to say, tell me more. And (laughs) as they'll teach you in sales, you know, you've got someone there when when they're saying, tell me more. So that that was a a real proud moment, um, you know, that I that I really, really remember and cherish. That is amazing. What an accomplishment for you and her. Uh, fantastic. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of stuff that uh, a publicist can do for you. Um, you know, um, when are folks ready f- for, for someone like you in their career? When do you think? You know, it's interesting that you asked that because I'm getting ready to go out and speak at the San Francisco Writers Conference. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of those folks say, well, I haven't written a book yet, or I've yeah. written a book, but it's not published yet, so I don't need a publicist. 
And yet I have a writer client in Las Vegas, coincidentally, and I have gotten her all kinds of opportunities and she hasn't published a full length novel of any kind. So it's the same way in the music business, especially in Nashville, especially in Nashville. But, you know, if you step back and look at that big, scary, big picture of all the fish in the sea and you say, how in the world am I going to get noticed? And maybe you're just getting ready to put out your first song. Well, okay, you're getting ready to put out your first song. Mm -hmm. And and it's okay. I understand, you know, if you think you're going to do it yourself, you want to try to do it yourself or mom and dad are going to help you or you have a good friend, you know, who's really invested in your music. But the fact of the matter is, you do have to recognize at some point this, unfortunately, and I know people are sick of hearing this, but it it can't be stated enough. It's a business. And so Mm -hmm. I do go back to that story that I told at the beginning of how Now Here This Was Founded, which the girl I talked about that was singing in church, her dad was a realtor. So what does he know about not only the entertainment business, but what does he know about communications, which I defined earlier as media relations, public relations, marketing, the web, nothing. So if you're going to lean on mom and dad who just love you to death, and of course they do, but aren't really skilled in these areas, or you have a best friend that just is your biggest fan, well, that's great. But if your best friend works at the diner and doesn't have any skill in the areas where you really need help, then I don't think that you're really going to get the traction that you want. So I think it's a, an investment that you have to look at making and saying, do I want to enlist a professional where this is what they focus on? And if so, get started and watch and see how much faster they'll start to get you the results. Uh, I had somebody contact me recently who said, I've been reading your e-newsletter for the last couple of years and I love your writing and, You know, I have a a speaker slash author friend that I wonder if you could help out. And we ended up having a phone call and I wasn't in a position to take on this friend of his, but I gave him some pointers. And one of the questions he asked me is, when I write an email on behalf of this friend of mine, who do I say that I am? Mm. And I said, it's not about you. Never mind who you are. You're writing to someone to tell them about this author slash speaker. And that's one of the things I've always loved about my business is that I'm here to tell anyone that will listen about my clients. I'm not here to tell people about Bruce or about now hear this. In fact, that's one of the most, that's one of the the facets of my job that I dislike the most is when I am talking to a potential new client and I do have to talk all about Bruce and I do have to talk all about now hear this because my business is telling everyone all about those clients and how talented they are at whatever it is they do. Two stories come into mind uh, after you said that. One is, recently, I was um, I was contacted by a publicist for an artist and a songwriter, uh, not from Nashville, outside the market. And I like to go outside the market. And um, she, uh, she had a very interesting... Um, point of view to share and I look at the stories and and uh, this publicist said hey here's my client and she is a mother and she wants to talk about how the music industry and motherhood can combine and work how do you make that work uh, and I thought wow 
I bet we have a lot of listeners that are in that same situation. And she's been very successful in what she does. And I said, by all means, let's talk about that. So find your niche. Find out where you are, right? Find out what you're about, all right? And even if you don't have a lot of money to spend um, hiring a, pu- a publicist at this point, there are things you can do, right, Bruce, uh, to help better your career. Yeah, and I was just going to add into what you just said. I love that you pointed out the fact that you do have to have some kind of an angle. And so I always like to draw attention to, and of course, <laughs> I don't know how many people are even watching the news anymore. I feel like yeah. I'm dating myself when I refer to the 6 o'clock news or the 11 o'clock news, but <laughs> they'll be reporting on the news and then they say, when we come back, and then they tease a story and you go, oh, I got to stick around to do the commercial to come back and hear that. Well, that's what you have to have when you're pitching yourself if you don't have a publicist or someone working on your behalf. Because if you say, well, you should book me on your TV show because I'm a great singer. Well, guess what? There's a line around the block of people that think they're great singers. No, but I wrote, but I have a song. I'm sorry. Yeah, I meant I have a song coming out. You and that line around the block, (laughs) a new song coming up. So what is it about you that sets you apart that you have a story to tell that our audience would be interested in? If we're going to give up six minutes of airtime for you to sit down on set and talk to our viewers and play the song. Oh, well, I wrote this song in conjunction with such and such a foundation. And we're trying to raise money because my aunt suffered from this for 17 years. Okay. Now we're getting someone, yeah. you know, or it might just be, I'm so good that I legitimately did open for Kenny Chesney <laughs> or whatever it is I've played. You know, I, I, I have a client here in Tampa that uh, a couple years ago, uh, and a comedian once came through Tampa and said, oh, that's right. Uh, you all didn't have the pandemic down here. What did it last for? Like a long weekend? That's about it. You know, because he was oh. taking a shot at Floridians being reckless with the pandemic. Yeah. But I had a client that in 2021, she had 388 gigs. She was booked. She had 388 bookings. In a year that had 365 days, she had 388 <laughs> bookings. So uh, something like that will get the attention of someone that is going to be interested in interviewing you because it's a whole lot different than someone just saying, oh, I'm a great singer and I've been performing for 10 years. Mm. Good point. That does catch uh, people's attention. She's uh, had these many shows. That's fantastic. How about uh, other things for self-promotion? And one of the things I remember from down in the seminar, you had these beautiful banners that you had put up and they're not that expensive to get done. Canva Instaprint things does these. And then I want to talk about that. And, 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 and if you have little or no money, um, how to raise money for your cause, there's ways to do that, right? Yeah. On the banners, you know, I think the advice Dave that I would give your audience on the banners is be careful not to get something that is going to be time sensitive. And what I'm referring to is, if you get a big stand-up banner that you bring up on stage with you every time you perform, that's awesome, but don't have it say, new album out now, and there's yeah. the album artwork and the title of the album, because guess what? Yeah. 11 months later, you're going to be getting ready to release your next album, and you're going to go, oh, I guess I have to get a new banner now. Yes. So really think about what can I put on my banner that I can use this thing for five years. For as long as the banner holds up and still looks like it's in really good shape, it'll still be just as relevant five years from now as it is today, because otherwise you're going to be really upset at the money that you did spend. Even if you did shop around and get a good price, you're going to say, well, I guess I can't use this anymore. And don't forget that those banners can also be used 
I mentioned this earlier, social media is so popular and so many people are trying to do videos for whatever platform they're on, Instagram Reels or TikTok. Well, set that banner up in your house. It doesn't have Mm. to be in every single video that you make, but it doesn't have to be something that you only bring up on stage when you're performing live. Set it up in your house and have it behind you. That's a great idea. And how about... Yeah, and I have two different sizes. I've got the one that you set down on the floor and is taller than I am, and Mm -hmm. then I've got the small little desktop size, and there's different applications for for both sizes. And how about like a QR code on there that people can shoot and... Take to your web page or your Venmo, you know. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I've re- I've really watched closely with interest as QR codes have made a comeback because I can remember many years ago when they were the thing, mm-hmm. and boy, when they disappeared, they, they disappeared. You just felt like, why do I have a QR code on the back of my business card? No one's even going to know what this is anymore. And now they are so so valuable, and so absolutely on your business card, on your banner on the flyers that you're passing out at your live show, put a, put a QR code. If it goes to a link tree, or if you say, no, I'm going to focus on one thing. I want tips. I want Venmo on there. Set it up to go to Venmo, but take your pick. It's, it's a really valuable tool. And we, we, we all see them everywhere. I think really Dave, what happened was the pandemic made us too. so much more conscious, it so did. much more conscious of QR codes because we'd walk into restaurants yep. and they'd say, sorry, we don't have, physical menus anymore here's a qr code for our digital menu so everyone has gotten used to using them the people that are looking at them and saying what do i do with that are the people that are let's just politely say advanced in age and probably are still using an old flip phone (laughs) (laughs) i was uh uh, talking to a young artist uh last night actually and she showed me something that was amazing business cards are really not in anymore I've handed out a few where people go, they just took a picture of it, but she had a thing called a link and uh, she held it up to my phone and boom, there was all her information right there. You've seen these things? Well, you know, my client in Hollywood, she tells me something similar. I'm not really encountering a lot of people out here with business cards, Bruce. And I told her that's all well and good, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have them because yeah. what's going to happen when you do encounter the person that wants the business card or doesn't use the method that you, but Bruce, everybody's using Instagram DMS is what she told me. And I said, and I'm sure they are. And that's good to know. I'm just telling you, you're going to encounter someone in Hollywood that doesn't do Instagram or doesn't want you in their DMS. And good it's going to say, do you have a card? And as soon as you say, no, I don't, there's a missed opportunity. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, and how about Patreon? What, what, do you, what can you tell us about that? Is that important? Would you suggest that people have one? The thing with Patreon is people jump into that a little bit too quickly. Mm-hmm. And again, if I'm putting too much emphasis on the younger people, I apologize to your audience that is saying, come on, I've been in the business 12 years, Bruce. I'm mm-hmm. not 19 years old. Give me something useful. Yeah. That's the person that should be using Patreon. Yes. Mm-hmm. The person that's 18 or 19 that's just launching their career and is already asking people to join their Patreon, even though they haven't proven themselves yet, that's a tough ask because you're asking people to support something that they don't really have much interaction with yet. Mm-hmm. They haven't had much exposure to it. Good point. So Patreon yeah. is better for people that are a little bit more established. And I also think, Dave, that people put a little too much pressure on themselves with Patreon. They see that there's the ability to have all these different tiers 
And then yeah. they get all caught up in what am I going to offer to all these different tiers? <laughs> That's true. I'm here to say, take some of that pressure off yourself. If you just are at the end of the day trying to get some extra financial support, tell people, look, I have one tier. This is what it is. $10 a month, and this is what you get. That's and awesome. that's all. Yes. That's awesome. That's great advice. There was another um, site you talked about, Cup of Coffee or something uh, at the center? Uh, buy Me a Coffee. Buy Me a Coffee. Yes. Tell me about that one. Yeah. Buymeacoffee.com is a site that is kind of a, a fun way for people to quote unquote tip you. And at the end of my Now Hear This Entertainment podcast every week, I always close by saying, that's the show, folks. I hope you liked the interview. If you like what I'm doing here every week and you want to thank me for it and show us your support, and I tell them to go to my podcast website and click on the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo. But, oh, cool. you know, you, you can have uh, my page is simply buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. Wow. And so you can send people directly to it. But when they land there, they just see that, oh, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna essentially send him a $5 tip. Or if I want to, I'm holding up air quotes, buy him two cups of coffee, <laughs> then I'll send him $10. And it's just a fun way, instead of saying, please support me, please Venmo me, please send me some um, support through PayPal. And people get nervous asking for money. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fun way to do it without kind of stumbling through, I'm just looking for you to Venmo me or PayPal me a tip. You know, I think when you're doing a live show, the audiences have gotten conditioned to hearing about Venmo or PayPal. But if you're in a position where you're looking for something unique and you want to have a little fun and and try out buymeacoffee.com, it it is kind of different. I know some podcasters that are having some success with it. I had somebody go through my buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W and they sent me a tip just for the help that I gave them, not because they were listening to the podcast. So I think people will receive it in whatever way you position it to them. Uh, but I would recommend it. I'm not getting anything for, for talking about them. Dave's the one that brought it up. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's but something please, to check buy out. buy Bruce a cup of coffee, please, up. folks. Yes, buy Bruce a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's cool. I love that. You know, the other thing, another source you you, uh, you told uh, told us about uh, down there at the uh, festival, and I know you do a lot of these songwriter festivals, and you, you're a very in-demand public speaker, and it's, it's really cool, and you're very good at what you do. Uh, you mentioned the Indie Bible, um, and that's an incredible resource for folks, too, isn't it? It is. It is. And, and their shameless plug, I will ask people if you're going to check it out to, to go through uh, the affiliate link on my website. Um, my, my company website is nowhearthis.net. And of course, that's H-E-A-R. And if you go on nowhearthis.net, uh, I can give you a shortcut and say, just navigate into the podcast section and you'll see the ad for the Indie Bible. Uh, in fact, um, the, the real shortcut that I love to give people is and this is a neat trick, by the way, that, that your audience can use depending on some of the different projects that you have, which is I bought a custom URL, which is nhte.net. It stands for Now Hear This Entertainment, it's the name of my podcast. Wow. So the, the trick that you're doing is you're giving out a website that people think they're going to a website specifically for the project that you're talking about. So every week on the podcast, I only mention nhte.net and people think they're going to a website for my podcast. In fact, what's really happening 
is they're landing on the podcast page of my company website. And mm-hmm. so if you go audience to nhte.net, yes, you can listen to the podcast there, but there's logos to click on to go get it from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, et cetera. So and nice. that's where I have these affiliates. So Indie Bible is one of them. And Indie Bible, for all the independent artists out there who say, I don't have the budget to hire someone like Bruce, or they just flat out are curious, where can I get leads on getting booked at some venues in Insert City here? Mm-hmm. Well, where can I get some leads on podcasts that I can get booked on? Or where can I get some leads on blogs that will write a review of my song? Mm-hmm. The Indie Bible has done a wonderful job of compiling all of this. The thing is, probably a thousand pages long. Now, don't worry. It's not some big book that you're going to get from UPS or from FedEx. It's all digital. So they're going to send you a PDF when you buy it. But the Indie Bible is so valuable because it answers all those questions. If you want to send your your new single out to college radio, they've got that for you in there. And it's international. So you'll see things in the Indie Bible that are from all over the world. And it's it's a great tool because it does break down a lot of those barriers that I'm talk that I'm talking about. I'm listed in there so that people are looking for someone that does the work that I do. They're going to find Bruce Warsniak and now hear this. Mm. And so it's a really great tool. Uh, and as I said, if you go to nhte.net and click on the Indie Bible ad, that'll take you over there. And they have a lot of different combinations. So if you say, "No, I just want the Indie Bible version of how to get to Spotify playlist." They have that. Awesome. If you have the one that, and et cetera, et cetera. So, so go and look at it. As you can tell, I, you know, I use it myself, and, and I definitely recommend it. Awesome. Thanks for the recommendation. The other thing, real quick, I wanted to mention that you really helped me with. And, 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 and sometimes it's the simplest thing. You send out a lot of emails, do you? Do you send out a lot of emails? What's your signature? Do you have a signature? And, and you really helped me put mine together, huh? Yeah, what was funny is I recently wrote to someone on behalf of one of my clients asking this person, would they interview my client on their show? And they have a YouTube channel. And so when you're someone that is a YouTuber, you're automatically drawn to other people's YouTube. And sure enough, before you know it, not only did this person write me back and say, this sounds great. Sure, I'd love to interview your client. But then I got a notification from YouTube. So-and-so has subscribed to your channel on YouTube. And it was this very person. And the only way they could have possibly known that was by seeing my electronic signature where it says Bruce Wozniak, now hear this. Mm-hmm. And then it says social. And I have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and all these are, there's actually links within them. So you can click on your favorite to go over there. And then the podcast, all the same thing. And, and my speaker website. So, you know, that's, that's, that mm-hmm. area down there. If you just sign your email with your name and that's it, Thanks very much. Look forward to hearing from you, Dave. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? That person's not going to go look for you anywhere. They're not going to look on YouTube. They're not going to look on Instagram. They're not, and especially if you're just using like Gmail or Yahoo or something, it's not like it's, well, their email address is Dave at DaveLenahan.com. So I imagine if I go to DaveLenahan.com, I'll probably learn more about him through his website. That electronic signature can be so valuable to you because again, it's kind of like I was talking about with websites earlier. It's yours to do with what you want. Indeed. Yep. Put a little picture there, have your contacts, you know, links to your web. It's, it's, it's not that hard to do. It really isn't. And, uh, 
that's a nice simple end. You know, so much valuable information, Bruce. Thank you so much. Um, I, there's no way we could cover it all. And we'd have to do like, we could probably do tons of these shows, you know, <laughs> but I thank you for taking the time. You kind of did a mini seminar on our, uh, our podcast today. And I want to make sure that people can reach you and uh, find out more about now hear this and, and Bruce Worsniak and, and all the valuable services you do provide. So again, give us that website. Um, yeah, I had mentioned the podcast at net, but, you know, in reality, as I said, if you just go to the company homepage, which is nowhearthis.net, and again, H-E-A-R, nowhearthis.net will get you started into my company. And then from there, you can go over to wherever you want, to my weekly blog that I write every Monday, to the podcast section, to the contact page, to write to me, whatever it is. And, and obviously, there's plenty of social media links on the website also. So if you'd rather get in touch with me through social media or just follow engage on facebook twitter instagram linkedin they're all there do it i love your blogs and 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 folks really (laughs) you got to get on the email list uh you will love reading uh the things that bruce uh you post them every week huh um absolutely when what days do your podcast uh publish are they weekly uh yeah the podcast comes out every wednesday every wednesday Uh, the newsletter only comes out once a week and that's on Wednesday as well, just to let people know that the latest podcast is out. And and that's something that I encourage your audience to do. If you don't have an e-newsletter, start one up and don't put the pressure on yourself to be emailing people constantly once a week is all I do. And that's just to stay on people's radar. So they know who I am and they keep me in mind if they need something and they go listen to the podcast too. It is so cool. Wednesday seems to be the podcast day. That's when I uh, release mine as well, every Wednesday morning. Bruce, I'll be continuing to listen, and uh, I thank you so much for your time and for being on the show. Bruce Wozniak, now hear this, and the podcast, now hear this entertainment. Please check it out. And Bruce, have a wonderful day. And I I can't really say good luck to the Rays, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) hope everybody stays healthy. (laughs) Maybe we'll meet in the playoffs again. Thanks ever so much, Dave. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate you having me on your show. You're the man. I enjoyed you so much. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also, listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.